Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Setting the Stage for Bruton's Tyrosine Kinase Inhibitors in Relapsing Multiple Sclerosis. Where does the evidence stand? To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an independent educational grant from the healthcare business of Merck KGAA, Dermstadt, Germany. Hi, I'm Dr. Jacqueline Nicholas, and I'm the System Chief of MS and Neuroimmunology for Ohio Health at the Ohio Health Multiple Sclerosis Center. Today, in this program, we'll discuss the therapeutic rationale for targeting Bruton's tyrosine kinase in multiple sclerosis, as well as review the latest data for emerging BTK inhibitors in relapsing MS. When we think about the pathogenesis of MS, we first need to understand adaptive and innate immunity. The adaptive immune system is antigen-specific and requires prior processing and recognition, and mainly involves B cells and T cells. The innate immune system is nonspecific in our more immediate response. And when thinking about this, we'll focus on microglia and macrophages. Multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune disease in which our own immune cells target our brain and spinal cord. It's a complex interplay between our immune system, our genetics, and environmental risk factors that can influence and activate autoreactive cells. T cells and B cells are activated to enter the central nervous system to cause inflammation and lesions within the brain and spinal cord in multiple sclerosis. CD4 positive and CD8 positive T cells are involved, and this results in a T helper 1 and T helper 17 pro-inflammatory phenotype. B cells are also involved, and this is evidenced by CSF oligoclonal bands that aid in the diagnosis of MS. B cells produce pro-inflammatory cytokines such as IL-6, TNF-alpha, and GM-CSF, and we know that depleting B cells is highly effective in treating multiple sclerosis. When we deplete B cells, this attenuates CD4-positive and CD8-positive T cells. B cells present antigen to T cells, and this results in activation of pro-inflammatory T cells. Follicular aggregates in the meninges and multiple sclerosis contain B cells, which can drive progression. Currently, there are many unmet needs in multiple sclerosis. The therapies that we have available to treat MS are highly effective at reducing relapses and at preventing or reducing the production of lesions within the brain and spinal cord. Some of these therapies, although highly effective, have an increased risk of infection. The B-cell depletion therapies, for instance, may not be used indefinitely because of reductions in immunoglobulins and increased infection risks. These therapies that are currently available are highly effective at shutting down inflammation, yet we still see neurodegeneration and progression independent of relapses. In summary, several disease-modifying therapies are available, but none of these constitute a cure, and some of them result in increased safety risks such as infection. Next, let's discuss the rationale for targeting BTK in the treatment of relapsing MS and how novel BTK inhibitors might address some of these unmet needs. 
Now I'm going to review the role of BTK in the pathogenesis of multiple sclerosis. BTK is a cytoplasmic tyrosine kinase and a small molecule that is able to act in the periphery as well as centrally in multiple sclerosis. Interestingly, BTK is actually a signal transducer of various B-cell receptors, chemokines, cytokines, and FC receptors that are present on all immune cells except for T-lymphocytes. Antigen binding to the B-cell receptor actually results in BTK activation and B-cell proliferation, maturation, differentiation, as well as cytokine and chemokine expression. The detrimental effects of macrophages and microglia within the central nervous system actually result in myelin phagocytosis and cytokine secretion, which is mediated through these FCR receptors. So if we utilize a BTK inhibitor, this could halt multiple processes that are important in MS pathogenesis. I think one of the most interesting points is that it penetrates the blood-brain barrier into the central nervous system. This is of significant interest because it may impact compartmentalized inflammation and neurodegeneration within the central nervous system by targeting resonant B cells and microglia. It also can attenuate B cell antigen presentation and then this in turn can decrease the generation of encephalogenic T cells. It's possible that by targeting microglia, this may enhance remyelination and repair, and this has been shown in animal models. So in summary, BTK inhibitors are small molecules that can cross the blood-brain barrier and affect microglia within the central nervous system. These agents show promise in treating the neurodegenerative aspects of MS as well as neuroinflammation. Next, let's review the most recent efficacy data for late-stage emerging BTK inhibitors in relapsing MS. Let's discuss the current evidence on emerging BTK inhibitors. Recent data for relapsing MS demonstrates that B cells, myeloid cells, and resident glial cells are viable therapeutic targets in multiple sclerosis. Currently, there are four BTKIs, which are the furthest in development. These include evobrutinib, tolibrutinib, fenobrutinib, and orlibrutinib. Evobrutinib, tolibrutinib, and orlibrutinib are all covalent in their binding and irreversible. Fenobrutinib is a non-covalent, reversible BTK inhibitor. First, let's start by looking at evobrutinib. This therapy is currently in phase three MS clinical trials. The phase two clinical trials where this therapy was studied in relapsing remitting MS, looking at oral evobrutinib, 75 milligrams once daily versus 25 milligrams daily and 75 milligrams BID for 24 weeks as well as the open-label extension, demonstrated effective reductions in gadolinium-enhancing lesions for evobrutinib compared to placebo, as well as impressive annualized relapse rates in the open-label extension study, demonstrating its effectiveness in relapsing-remitting MS. Tolibrutinib is currently in Phase 3 MS clinical trials. This Phase 2 study was a double-blind, placebo-controlled crossover study where they actually looked at two cohorts. The first cohort was started on 12 weeks of tolibrutinib at four different doses. 
the 5, 15, 30, and 60 milligrams per day, and then a four-week placebo period. The opposite cohort was flipped, where patients were started on the first four weeks of placebo and then 12 weeks of tolibrutinib at one of four doses. The phase two clinical trials showed reductions in gadolinium enhancing and new and enlarging T2 lesions, as well as a low annualized relapse rate, demonstrating its effective control of relapsing remitting multiple sclerosis. Ongoing phase three studies are being carried out with tolibrutinib in relapsing MS, primary progressive MS, and secondary progressive MS. Fenibrutinib is currently in phase three studies. There was not a phase two trial in MS based on the data from other BTK inhibitors. Fenibrutinib is being studied in relapsing and active secondary progressive MS, as well as a clinical trial in primary progressive MS looking at fenibrutinib versus the only FDA-approved therapy for PPMS, ocrelizumab. Orlibrutinib is the fourth BTK inhibitor, the furthest out in development, and currently in a phase two study looking at relapsing MS. Current evidence confirms the clinical benefit of BTK inhibitors in relapsing MS. Next, let's discuss the safety profiles of BTK inhibitors. Next, I want to review the clinical safety data that we have to date on emerging BTK inhibitors for relapsing multiple sclerosis. Overall, it should be noted that the key safety data shows a very favorable safety profile for BTK inhibitors. The evabrutinib and tolibrutinib phase two studies demonstrated relatively excellent safety. Nasopharyngitis has been commonly seen across all studies of the BTK inhibitors in multiple sclerosis. Additionally, upper respiratory tract infection and headache has been seen. Transient increases in levels of ALT and AST, as well as lipase, have also been seen in the BTK clinical trials. It's important to note that drug-induced liver toxicity was observed in tolibrutinib clinical trials. As a result, the United States FDA placed a pause on enrollment in the summer of 2022 in the tolibrutinib phase three clinical trials. Patients who had been on drug or in study for 60 days or longer were allowed to continue. However, new enrollments remained paused at this time. This did prompt a change in liver function test monitoring frequency in all clinical trials for BTKs and multiple sclerosis. Looking at the adverse events of interest, drug-induced liver toxicity is certainly one that we will be continuing to monitor. The phase three safety data are continuing to unfold and will provide a more complete picture of the safety profile of these drugs. In summary, BTK inhibitors are effective in the treatment of relapsing MS and have an excellent safety profile thus far. Further data is needed to fully assess the adverse events associated with these agents. Next, let's discuss the future management considerations for BTK inhibitors and how these agents may fit into the current treatment landscape in multiple sclerosis. Several BTK inhibitors are in late-stage development, but it's important to think about which patients with MS are candidates to receive these. One of the important safety features of BTK inhibitors is that there can be a transient elevation of liver enzymes. And so certainly a patient with multiple sclerosis who has a history of liver dysfunction may not be an appropriate candidate. 
It's also important to note that the mode of administration is incredibly important in adherence for our patients. It may be a challenge for some patients with cognitive dysfunction to adhere to a more than once daily oral therapy. The oral dosing could also be an important factor, particularly in the United States where infusion costs to patients can be quite high. Because these therapies are high efficacy with excellent tolerability and safety without significant immunosuppressive effects, these therapies really may be an option across the board for patients with less aggressive or even moderate to severely aggressive multiple sclerosis. In summary, the potential advantages of BTK inhibitors over our current therapies are that they may result in less risks of infection, as well as high efficacy with excellent tolerability. Currently, it's an exciting time in the field of multiple sclerosis. We have a significant number of highly effective treatments for this disease with different modes of administration and different safety and tolerability profiles, where essentially we have options for all patients. It's even more exciting that BTK inhibitors are on the forefront and that these therapies not only penetrate into the central nervous system and have significant reductions in inflammatory disease activity in multiple sclerosis, but that they also may impact microglia and potentially result in impacts on neurodegeneration and potentially remyelination. It's an exciting time, and we know that we need to do better for our patients to shut down inflammation, prevent future disability, and potentially improve neurologic function. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.